Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's been our Advent prayer for the last couple of weeks and we'll continue uh, into the next couple of weeks. That, that prayer that we pray that, that makes us reminded that, yes, Jesus is coming once at Christmas, but we're living in the in-between. The time after Jesus came the first time and before he comes again the second time. And as we prepare for Jesus' coming, we know because we confess it in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus is coming as judge. From there, the right hand of God, he will come to judge the living and the dead. So what do you think of when you hear the word judge? What picture comes to your mind when you think of a judge? I don't know if this is exactly what you picture. Somebody up on a bench gavel in hand, kind of stern, ready to dispense justice, knowing the law and wanting to rule fairly. But what about Jesus as judge? You see, I think it's fair for me to say this, that standing before a judge really matters. It matters an awful lot whether you are guilty or innocent. Probably not as big of a deal to stand before a judge. Oh, it might be a little frightening, but, but not a big deal if you know that the evidence is going to show that you're not guilty. But when you stand before a judge and you know the judge can throw the book at you, that changes things a bit. So we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come as judge. Do we really want that? Do we really want Jesus to come as our judge? After all, he knows everything. He knows the evidence that's stacked against us. He knows that we haven't loved God with our whole heart or loved our neighbor as ourselves. Why in the world would we ever want Jesus to come as our judge? Well, listen as we walk through Isaiah chapter 11 to see how the verdict that Jesus gives as our judge is a surprising one, is a merciful one, is one in which we can rejoice Yes, we can pray, come Lord Jesus, come as judge because of what Jesus comes to do. We'll see through the prophet Isaiah today that Jesus come, we pray that he comes to our defense and then we pray that he comes to bring us peace. Listen again to those first couple verses of Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. You heard John speak of it in our gospel today, how the axe was at the root of the trees and, and ready to cut down the trees that were not producing fruit. Isaiah's prophecy contains some of the same picture language. As a matter of fact, in the couple chapters before chapter 11, God describes all of those who stand opposed to him, who stand in his way as being cut down like trees. Even God's people, the people of Judah, were going to be reduced to nothing more than a stump. And yet look at God's faithfulness. Did you see it in those few words? A branch, a shoot, that's going to come up from the stump. 
From the stump of Jesse, the root is going to come, and that root is going to bring great blessings. Maybe just a brief review. Do you remember the name Jesse from the Old Testament? Maybe not one we talk about quite as much. But Jesse was the father of David, who became king. And while David was king, God made him a very amazing and special promise that there would be someone who would reign on his throne forever. Speaking of the Messiah. Yes, what Isaiah is prophesying here is that the Messiah is coming and he's coming to judge the world. He describes the kind of characteristics that set this judge apart from all others. He starts with this description that this judge, Jesus, will have the spirit of the Lord resting on him. Can we help but picture Jesus at his baptism as he came up out of the water and and the father's voice boomed, this is my son whom I love and the spirit of God descended like a dove on Jesus. The spirit of the Lord was resting on Jesus and, and that meant that he was not only qualified but competent to judge the world. Isaiah gives us all kinds of different characteristics of this judge of Jesus, he says that he will be, first of all, filled with wisdom. In other words, Jesus will always see the big picture. He will have understanding. He knows every detail about you and me. He will have counsel and might, Isaiah says, and you couple all of that with fear of the Lord. And we know that when Jesus judges, he judges according to God's will. What is the will of God? Didn't the Apostle Paul say it so well in his first letter to Timothy? God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You see, that's why Jesus came to this world. Not to judge us in anger, but to judge us as our defense. To come to rescue us so that we could stand before God holy and blameless. Listen to how Isaiah describes this coming about. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. What Isaiah is describing for us is a Jesus who will judge with great compassion. Not by sight will Jesus judge. And and think about how easily that is for us, how easily that happens to us. Don't we so often judge people or a situation by simply what we can see? Can you think of a time in your life where you were wrong by, by what you thought because of what you saw or what you heard only to have to correct your reaction later on? Yes, we judge others by appearance. We judge people by the way that they speak and the things that they do. And that's not Jesus. Not by what he sees with his eyes, not by what he hears with his ears, but with justice he is going to judge the righteous. That's a beautiful word to describe Jesus. This is empathy with which Jesus is judging all people. He is going to come with his righteous works so that you and I can stand before God. I love this picture in Isaiah because immediately Isaiah goes to those who are poor, those who are in need. And if you think about Jesus' ministry, isn't that who he spent the majority of his time with? 
the people who were in need, the people who were marginalized in society. And then we all could fit under that description, couldn't we? Because spiritually speaking, we're empty. Spiritually speaking, we need to be filled by only the blessings that Jesus can bring. And that's exactly what he came to this world to do. You see, it's Jesus who gives us what we could never have for ourselves. We know that the wages of sin is death, but God gives us the gift through Jesus of eternal life. Paul wrote it this way in Romans chapter 4. He, Jesus, was delivered over to death because of our sins, but was raised to life because of our justification. That's the verdict. That's what Jesus has declared. He's delivered us from death by his death on the cross. The righteousness that we need to stand before God has been given to us by Jesus. He's defended us with his works, with his saving work. He's rescued us from sin. The other day as I was driving here to work, I, I, I saw an ambulance going down the other side of the road and I, and I thought to myself, why do we, what do we think of when we see an ambulance driving down the road? Because sometimes I just don't even, it doesn't register. It's happened so many times that I don't even really think about what's going on. But, but this week I did and I thought, I wonder who's in that ambulance. I wonder what they need. I wonder if they'll make it to the hospital in time. And I decided that I was going to say just a little prayer. That God would bless the medical care that that person was receiving, that they'd get to the hospital on time, that everything would turn out well. And then I thought to myself, that's not a bad picture of Jesus. I guess if we were going to compare Jesus to a vehicle, an ambulance wouldn't be a bad one, would it? Because that's exactly what Jesus came to this earth to do, to rescue us, to breathe life into us when we're spiritually dead and to give us what we could never have on our own spiritual health and eternal life. But then I thought, that's not really the full picture, is it? Sure, Jesus came to rescue us, but there's even more to the picture. And I thought, we really would have to compare Jesus to a second vehicle to have the whole picture. And so I decided that maybe Jesus is a lot more like a hotel shuttle in Hawaii. Maybe some of you have experienced this. You get picked up at the airport, taken to your hotel where everything is nice and beautiful and you spend time in this island paradise with the blue waters and, and the white sands. Maybe you get some excursions that you go on in these little shuttles and it's enjoyable. But you see, Jesus is a little better, okay, a lot better than a hotel shuttle because eventually we go home from our vacations, right? But Jesus takes us to an eternal paradise, a place where there will be joy and peace forever. That's the picture that Isaiah brings for us in the peace that Jesus will provide. I want you, as I read these words, just to let them soak in a little bit again because they're so unnatural to us, you almost have to really concentrate on what Isaiah says. Listen to these verses. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. 
In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as the banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Can you do anything but marvel at the peace that Isaiah is describing? I mean, these pictures are completely upside down from what we experience in this world, aren't they? Wait, the wolf and the lamb, a leopard and a goat, a cow and a bear, these are all things that, and a lion, these, these don't happen. I've seen enough National Geographic shows to know that lions and leopards and bears, they don't have peace with the other animals that they look at as dinner. And yet, when Jesus comes again, this is the very peace that he's bringing. These are all pictures of peace. I mean, what parent would ever let their child, their infant child, play near a cobra's nest or put their hand in by some vipers? Of course not. But what is Isaiah describing? He's describing the absence of sin. What has ruined this world will be gone forever when Jesus comes again. In that day is the way Isaiah talks about Jesus coming again and the peace that he's going to bring with him. And then the next description that Isaiah gives is pretty amazing too. Jesus will be a banner for the peoples. Everybody will see him. John said that in his revelation that, look, he's coming on the clouds and every eye will see him. That's what Jesus will be like as he rallies people to him. He rallies the nations to him. I love how the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15 that we read earlier lays out that Jesus is for every person, every race, every nationality, every single person on this earth is who Jesus came for. And it got me to thinking about the blessing that he has given us in our community right here in Madison. We have people from around the world that live right here in our backyard. And God has given us a ministry, our international ministry to reach out to the community, to bring Jesus to as many people as possible. Will you join me in praying for the success of the gospel in that international ministry, that, that God will touch the hearts and lives of, of many more people so they can enjoy eternal life with us? You see, that's the reason. That's the reason why we want the gospel to be successful. Isaiah said it this way, his resting place will be glorious. Maybe there's not a better word to describe what eternal life is all about. It is going to be glorious beyond anything that we can imagine in our own heads. It's Jesus and being with him all of the time. And there's only one way that can happen. Through our judge who gives us the verdict, not guilty. By his life, by his death, by his resurrection, he guarantees you that your sins are gone forever and that you will stand before God in life. Not the death that the wages of sin bring, but the gift that Jesus gives is eternal life forever. That's something to rally to. That's something for us to hold on to when our sin rears up and, and makes us feel as if we don't deserve what Jesus has done. It's a reminder that, yes, we can come before God and confess those sins, but know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, they're forgiven. And we can look forward. We can look forward to Jesus coming again and wait for that coming with anticipation and hope because of the eternal life that is ours. 
A few takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, God is always faithful to his promises, even when life seems hopeless. In Lamentations, Jeremiah wrote this, Great is your faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Number two, Jesus rescues us from sin and is our defense on the day of judgment. John wrote this in his first epistle. If anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father on our behalf, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Finally, number three, Jesus declares us righteous and our verdict is life forever with him. Paul describes it coming about this way. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Can I take you back to the start of the service? I asked you to think about what you pictured when you pictured the judge. Now I'm going to ask you to think of what you picture when you picture Jesus as the judge. And I hope through the words of Isaiah, your picture of Jesus as judge might be a little something like this. A smiling Jesus. A Jesus who is ready to welcome you home. A Jesus who speaks to the Father on your behalf as one who defends you. The one who's rescued you and the one who provides you with eternal peace. As Jesus smiles at you and me as he welcomes us home to heaven, these are the words that we know he's going to speak from Matthew chapter 25. Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. We can pray, come, Lord Jesus, come as judge and bring us eternal peace. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.